You may disagree, but still. So it's been brought to my attention. <laughs> when we talk about people of color, when it comes into this conversation, nowadays seeing Canadians and seeing Americans or United States, people who live in the United States, because as you know, I, I refer to America I sh as we all should. America is a continent. So you're going from Canada to the United States, Mexico, Central America, the Caribbean islands and in South America. So with this being said, this conversation about people of color, the paradigm of people of color. You know, before I begin this episode, I really have to stress, and if I haven't stressed this before, let me stress it now. Oppression is marketable, okay? It doesn't matter what market you're in. It doesn't matter what, like, race you are. It doesn't matter what, like, ideologies or parties you support. I see it, like, globally that this whole entire paradigm of being a person of color or just oppression sells. Sorrow, you know, feel sorry for me. Something happened to me in my life in an earlier age or because of my lifestyle, I wasn't supported by people or because of my skin tone, I wasn't supported by people. Here at Finally Podcasting, you know how we do. We don't hold no puns. We don't we don't hold no punches. We get down to the nitty gritty. If you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. You don't have to listen. You don't have to do none of that. OK, so with this person of color phenomenon that's been taking shape for the last couple of years that I've seen, you know, a lot of people have been able to make a lot of money and been able to be marketed based upon their continual to rant about what it's like not to be a so-called white person living in America. Of course, you see this is true with so-called black people all the time. And I'm going to get on that in a second. But the reason I felt inspired to make this episode was because it was this YouTuber who's an Indian woman from Canada who just got this show. And a lot of the times when watching these YouTube clips, I usually see the same rhetoric happen over and over and over again. You know, the, the people that come from a different landmass and they come to America and they feel like they don't fit in because they're a different race and this, that, and the third. But there's two paradigms that come to this whole entire idolization about being in America. In order to, and this is not about being offensive. So if I have any white listeners or black listeners, quote unquote, this is about understanding my analytics when it comes to this. Like, I'm not making this to be racist. You feel me? So let me let me explain it and break it down like this. There's two opposing sides when it comes to what it's like being in America. It's this idea of being cool and this perception of being successful or being seen of power. And I'm going to explain it. Now, we all know. When it comes to being at the bottom of the totem pole, the so-called African-American in his caste society is listed as the bottom of the totem pole, regardless, right? And that the so-called white person is seen as the one of prestige and power. This is what's been called in society. So you can do your analytics, even if you're a so-called poor white 
you're still seen with more power than someone who would be seen as so-called black. I mean, it's just, just in my opinion, what I would, whatever I would see. But this paradigm of this relates to two different, two different polars, two polar opposites. When you're going with the aesthetics, right? It's this aesthetics I usually see would be associated with being so-called black, and then these aesthetics with being so-called white. This is where the stereotypes of when, you know, you have a so-called white person. When they're trying to be black, you call them a wigger. Or when you see a so-called black person trying to be, you know, more uppity or speak differently, you associate them with calling them an Oreo. So this person of color phenomenon or paradigm, you know, you get these immigrants that come over here. They choose between two polar opposites. Either you're going to be seen as cool by adopting the hip hop aesthetics, adopting this whole thing about the struggle and being in the hood and making something out of being in the hood and this, that, and third. Or you're going to go on the opposite spectrum and you want to see of high value and high class and have being very ego driven in this, that, and third, which would commonly be the stereotype of so-called whites, right? So this Indian woman that's from Canada, that's immigrants of Indians, but, you know, she's a, 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 an, a resident of Canada. She's mainly known from being from Canada, something such as this town called Scarsboro. Right. I heard about Scarsboro before. So, you know, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. I used to watch King of the Dot. That's the reason I started getting introduced into Canada. This was before Drake's blow up. I got introduced into Canada because of Degrassi and because of the fact of the matter I used to watch King of the Dot. A lot of y'all that don't know King of the Dot, y'all just need to type it up on YouTube. You, you'll understand what I'm, I'm talking about. So anyway, this conversation, right? It's this whole rant that she goes on, you know, congratulations to her. She had got her TV shows, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to go into a little bit deeper, a little bit later about this person of color paradigm. This thing about her doing these shows, it's these constant rants about how she lives a different lifestyle. And she had came out to people talking about her lifestyle and you know, she has to bring it up every five seconds to 10 seconds and this, that, and third to make herself feel pretty, right? Then it's this whole thing about how she has to go on this 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 rant all the time about how she hates so-called white men. But, I mean, let's really be honest. This whole thing about when these people get these shows out here, you act as if these aren't so-called white men pushing the green light for you to have this show. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that you didn't put up the capital on your own or you try to get your people to get put on a slot. But when you talk about this whole entire thing about how you hate so-called white men so much, it, it, it kind of fondles me because not fondles, but it, it, it really, you know, gets me in a way I kind of laugh because you wouldn't have this show on a major network if it wasn't for so-called white men backing you up. So it's about pushing this narrative about hating white people all day. Right. And all these different things as a, a so-called Indian woman, right? But this goes into my whole entire speech about how they use this aesthetic as being so-called black. Like the music, right? Because we already know hip-hop is destroyed. It's dead. It ain't going nowhere. If you think hip-hop is still alive, that's your generation. You could talk about whatever it is you're going to talk about. But I don't believe hip-hop is in the lightest bit alive at this point. There's no, there's, everything is so uniform. It's a utopia with hip hop right now. There's no, there's no, uh, verity when it comes to hip hop. You know, either you're going to have 
the hip hop that a lot of people, a lot of people in this era just don't like the hip hop that's going on. Or either you're going to have the quote unquote conscious rap, which still would revolve around the hip hop that's uniform. It's just a little bit like, okay, it's like, it's like this. It's like, just like the quarantine. Like, you got to stay in your house for a long time. You got to stay in your house. And then you just take time to be like, okay, freak this. I'm tired of being inside my room all day. I'm tired of being inside my house all day. I'm going to go outside for a second. So you go back outside to get some fresh air. And then you take your ass right back in the house. That's what hip hop, I think, to me makes, right? So music on the Western Hemisphere resonates with people who are immigrants in other countries. So when they come to America, they gravitate into this whole thing about being cool, which I would consider being the so-called black aesthetics and all these different things. But then they see because a so-called black person is on the bottom of the totem pole, they see themselves to be successful. So they're going to jump on the whole wave of trying to take more of the so-called white aesthetics. It's actually funny because if there's any Asian viewers on this on this podcast, they have something like, is it true that they have something called, like, if you're an Asian person who's trying to act white, you would be called a banana? Like, yellow on the outside and white on the inside? Like, it, it's weird, the, the whole things that comes up with these terms. And then how they've changed the society and go into color codes. So you have black, white, yellow, red, and all these different things. And this describes people. Brown would describe Hispanics or Latinos. You know what I mean? And... It's all these different things that I find so crazy because it's like this is how our society is as a people. Color codes to associate that with a caste system. So going deeper into this, you know, I find it funny, this whole entire thing. More to say about this person of color paradigm. I relate this back to the so-called black community where this I would consider hypocrites to have this whole entire conversation about blackness and being oppressed in America and this, that, and the third. And, you know, it's very loud nowadays because I see a a lot of so-called black women make these whole entire big outrageous statements like, oh, there's too many white guys in this room podcast or there's so many white guys in the bar TV show and this, that, and the third or dear white people. And what you find with that is, is that when they make these podcasts, when they when they're referring about how they see too many so-called white people or so, so-called white men, and they have this disdain for so-called white men. You usually find them in a relationship with a so-called white man as a so-called black woman, which triggers me to understand what was your statement about the whole entire time. And I believe that they do this for marketing points. And usually when it's found out that a lot of them are in relationships with so-called white men. They usually have to hide it by sitting up there giving them a code name and saying all these different things and hiding them and not allowing them to be on social media or seen on social media because they're going to get called out. And it disproves the insecurity that these people have because why do you have to go so hard about hating so-called white people but you're in a relationship with a so-called white person? I never understood that. You know what I mean? Like, like if it, it, it's still this, this, this problem that it's in America where... There is this whole idea about so-called black people not wanting to be in a relationship with so-called white people. 
and you know so-called white people having this guilt or this that and the third or the narrative about slavery and blase blah about the so-called white man had to crack a whip and this that and the third hey it's very very disgruntling conversations to have on that um but i find it very hypocritical and, and it's the same thing on so-called black men's side because you know i also believe that they're full of it and um you know they have these conversations about oh yeah america and and you know You'll see these brothers go online, they talk about they care about the so-called black woman or have these conversations about blackness and this, that, and the third and self-preservation. But then you find them in a relationship with a so-called white woman. It's weird. They go so hard for this. And this is not something that's recent in trend. This is something that's been going on for the last 40 to 50 years. And they try to act as if like it's not like they, they care. They're so down for their people. You know what I mean? You're hypocrites. Straight up. I just want you to know that both you so-called black women and so-called black women who do this. Men, sorry. So going back to this this color, this person of color paradigm, you know, I, I, this is a very analytical point that I like to make, and I like to really analyze people. This 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 paradigm, because I mean, I've even seen Asians do this. Asian, an Asian comedian that talk about you know so called white men don't understand me, this that and third, but then they're in a relationship with a so called white man. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? And paradigms are talking about so-called Asian people, but then these various of people would be in a relationship with a so-called Asian person. So, you know, f- uh, uh, people who's listening to this episode, again, finally, podcast is all about keeping it real. You can keep it pushing if you don't like it. It is what it is. But um, the person of color paradigm, what I see is this whole thing about how a lot of the Western hemisphere cultures get sucked in into foreigners where they feel like they have to make it marketable, especially with this Indian comedian from Canada who felt the need to make this apparent remix to a reggae song in order to talk about feminism and uplift women of all different sizes, shapes, and this, that, and the third. By the time this is recorded, it'll probably be late into the game, but I find it so funny because a lot of the time, it's like this tactless, like, tasteless, colorless approach to seem cool when it comes to, more specifically, Negro music. Because I would associate reggae into Negro music. I would. I'm not going to sit here and lie. Uh, you know, about how people think it's cool to, you know, take on this whole entire thing of speaking patois or trying too hard to speak like a uh, a speak slang or try to take on the aesthetics of a so-called black person or so-called african-american especially you have certain people out here who i would consider transracial it's a so-called white man who gets these melatonin injections and he swears that he's a so-called black man in this standard third when it's plain as day to see this is a white man a so-called white man who's trying to get these melatonin injections just like martina big who swears that she's a black woman and that they feed into this whole entire thing about pan-Africanism, which a lot of so-called African-Americans do. This is just honesty. They just do. They feed into this whole idea about pan-Africanism. I'm talking about so-called white people. And they talk about freedom and liberation, freeing our people and this, that, and third, when you can tell just by aesthetics that, tell by phenotype that these are so-called white people. 
I don't do this to be objectifying, but if you're a person that's a so-called white person getting melanin, melatonin injections, I can still tell you're a white person. I mean, even albino people have a phenotype that's related to Negroes. That's how I can tell that's usually Negro, even if they're albino. Okay? It, it, it makes no difference. If you're an albino person and you're being put next to a so-called white person, I can still say that you have Negro in you as an albino person. So I'm going to be able to tell that this is a person that has melanin, melatonin in their skin versus someone who has the uh, phenotype of a Negro or an African or someone that is of Negroid haplogroup or whatever it is called. It, you, you just study. How do I say you, you? It's not necessarily genetics, but you study the bone structure and the built sizes of people to tell that they are are or they belong to a certain group of people. They could be the same thing if it's an albino person who's Indian descent or someone who's albino person who's Asian descent. It's just easy to tell. You understand what I'm saying? So this whole entire paradigm about being cool. I don't know where it comes from. It, it's kind of actually exciting to be very analytical on this and to just scope out the world because a lot of people try too hard, family. A, a lot of people try too hard. A lot of people out there want to be down with the cause. So, you know, I, I think it's pretty much over for so-called black people. I just think it's funny nowadays. You got uh, people like him, this quote-unquote so-called white man that gets these melatonin injections and then he's just putting up this whole thing about a RGB flag and repping things like Malcolm X and Marcus Garvey and all these different things and he's talking about we gotta free our people and then making all these raps and making references to his phallus in order to associate that with the long-going stereotype about so-called black men having enormous phalluses. That's a whole different type of conversation I would not like to get into. But associating that and trying to get more brownie points of being cool which you'll find that related to martina big or people like rachel dolezal who's been outed a lot of times anyway that they're white this goes on to the same theory as someone like sean king do i believe sean king is a so-called white man yes i do i'm not going to sit here and play games i think sean king is a so-called white man but i'm not going to get into that this might be cause a controversy it is what it is this is just in my honest opinion but going back to what I'm saying about this, this, this aesthetic about being cool, it, to me, it relate to this paradigm, this polar attractions of opposite where you have to fit in, in a fit, you have to fit in in an in crowd by taking on the aesthetics of usually someone who's Negro as opposed to all these different things, the way that you talk, the way that you move, the way that you express yourself, and this, that, and the third. I'm not trying to tell you that you're trying to act like a so-called white person or you're trying to act like a so-called black person. But these aesthetics that go on in nature and all these different things, the Western Hemisphere has something that's very glowful that you can't find if you're trying to act like Asian or this, that, and the third, and blah, blah, blah. It still falls back into this aesthetic on what's going on in the Western Hemisphere. You understand? Like people aspire to be like how life is on a Western Hemisphere. Then they get into the reality of what it's like to live on a Western Hemisphere. And then their opinions is like, whoa, well, I want to be able to make money as an immigrant. So I'm going to move with a group that's making more money and being able to move. And I'm going to decide in the third. 
And to my so-called black community, you know how you see the Pakistanis and you see the Indians and blah, blah, blah. When I'm talking about the Western Hemisphere, when they have all these ox shops in our hood and all this other stuff, you see how they talk to you. They still speak in their native tongue and their native language, but then they still want to do things like rock the same outfits that you usually wear and sit up there and talk, be like, some of them do say the N- no, 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 not some. A lot of them say the N word, but they still flip it like, yo, my brother, my brother, and this, that, and the third. Say that for a reason. To the African diaspora, let me get a word from you, the dark-skinned Africans, because as we know, Africa is a diversity of different cultures and different people. So I find it crazy how you're doing these different things on your landmass in different countries where you have Asians that's picking up on this whole entire thing of Afrobeats. And this, that, and the third, doing the dances, learning the dances, and blah, blah, blah. Man, it's a it's a big rabbit hole that I like to talk about on this podcast. But you see how crazy that is about the Asian people trying to adapt into the whole entire customs and traditions because they're trying to take over the landmass, of course. But, you know, th- this is this is stuff that I, I think about. Maybe a lot of people may not understand exactly what I'm talking about and what I'm getting at. But then, you know, when I think about cultural vultures, for some odd reason, Drake comes up in my mind. Aubrey Graham (laughs) He comes up in my mind about how Every time it comes to these different musics And all these different sounds You know, he would be considered a culture vulture He's a Canadian rapper And blah, blah, blah And about how a lot of people don't like him Because he's always moving from culture to culture to culture Does he exemplify exactly what I'm talking about on this podcast? Not exactly, but he could be an honorable mention because of the fact that matter, you know, it starts off with him doing the rap music and all these different things being from whatever it is. Supposedly, he's supposed to be from Forest Hills, which is a upstable community in Canada, in Toronto. And then there's a Forest Hills in Boston. But then I know Forest Hills that's in New York, which is Queens. And Forest Hills is an upstanding community, too. That's in Queens. So someone like Drake, uh, you know, goes from rapping, you know, singing, rapping, doing the singing and the rapping and all these different things. A lot of people have this. There's a lot of things that go into him being, you know, culturally exclusive because he's, let's be real, he's a half so-called Negro and then he's a half so-called Jewish white dude, right? This whole thing that happens with Drake is the fact that matter he goes from singing, rapping, like I explained before. Then in 2013, he hooked up with someone like Romeo Santos to do something like bachata or do something around related to Spanish music. Then he moved from that. Then a lot of people were sitting up there saying he's a fraud because he's trying to speak Patois and he's trying to speak like he's Jamaican. Crazy, right? So then I don't know if he ever did any reggae songs. I can't recall if he did any reggae songs, but then later down the line, he did... He, you know, he got a bunch of artists started. Then it's been reported that he remixed their songs and this, that, and that third, and then it was never heard from again, right? He goes ahead with the Atlanta swag. He went into the New Orleans swag. From the New Orleans swag, he got into much more music out there. And then, you know, he started getting into, getting into drill, which is from the UK and all these different things, and then created a new dance, a new dance song. And all these different things that might have been reminded me of the cha-cha slide, which is famous in the so-called black community. Much as to say, it's just an honorable mention. This is just a very analytical type of steeze that I like to point at because this whole entire thing of 
the people of the person of color paradigm, the whole entire conversation about being oppressed from different nations and being an immigrant coming to the new world and coming to America. It's a little bit weird to have certain conversations on things and then you relate it to you because you're not white. That's just that's that's basically the whole entire point about the person of color paradigm. Because it's always this thought about oppression and always always this thought about, oh, I feel so bad and blah, blah, blah. And then what loosely happens with that is that certain groups, doesn't matter what color or race you are, they get into this conversation about oppression and all these different things. But you don't really actually deal with that. You deal with more so um, exclusion. You're not included in certain conversations. Therefore, you feel abandoned. So therefore, the idea of oppression comes up in your mind in order to be relatable. So the person of color paradigm that I said again, and then, you know, it's a rough house because there's two Pacific. Well, I would include the so-called black community has conversations. No, doesn't have conversations. This whole entire thing about like when you go to your local college, when they talk about African-American studies, certain groups get included in that conversation and it becomes a little bit offensive because you don't deal with the same problems that the so-called African-American community deals with. So it's a little bit weird for you to have a conversation on this. And, and I'm not saying it to be offensive. And I'm not going to tell you what group of people I'm talking about at all. But because there has been a lie that's been circling around for the last 40 to 50 years, this has been a project by the government in order to make Uh, certain groups of people believe that they're from somewhere else and that you come from that somewhere else you come over here and then you have that conversation about being a so-called black person is a little bit weird you know to certain people me honestly being doing these analytics again i don't do this to be offensive this is this is all about trying to have you understand the person of color paradigm is very deep in a rabbit hole of talking about american conversations okay and with that being said when it's a certain demographic that's moving on from this and then you put yourself into the wormhole of sitting up there saying you're black and then you're sitting up there talking about so-called African-Americans. It's not the same conversation. It's not being at the same type of seat at the table. So a lot of things come into this. You know what I'm saying? A a loss of history, a loss of culture, this, that, and the third. But that's another episode for another day. Back to this person of color paradigm. What I'll leave off is, you know, it's mainly a discussion about immigrants loosely, about how immigrants, certain immigrants, certain people who are descendant of immigrants get into this conversation about not necessarily, you know, being like a so-called black person or being like the so-called black aesthetics or the Negro aesthetics. But it's very funny to hear certain conversations and, you know, see people do little trendy things to add points to add brownie points into being quote-unquote cool and taking that aesthetic and then thinking they can win over more people by doing that but then also trying to for lack of a better term s-h-i-t or in the so-called black community sugar honey iced tea on so-called white people in order to win more brownie points and to be more understanding to people who are not so-called white. Just my honest opinion. I'm not taking two sides of the point. I'm not taking so-called black people's side and I'm not taking so-called immigrant sides and I damn sure ain't taking nobody else's side and I'm not taking so-called white people's side. Just understand what I'm talking about and just analyze your environment, family. That's all I'm going to say. Peace.